city to city, state to state, worldwide, you are in the zone, baby. This is it. Are you ready? Are you ready? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the XFL! Welcome to this edition of the Alliance to XFL show, the A-Train Arlington Lane. You know, just trying to look to do something a little different for the show. If you like it, you can let me know. If you don't like it, you can also let me know about that as well. You can go to Alliance XFL on Twitter and on Facebook, uh, along with on IG. Big show today. And today I'm going coast to coast. I'm going from the East Coast to the West Coast. Uh, on the show today, I'll have guest Peter Schwartz of CBS Sports Radio. He was the inaugural radio announcer for the New York, New Jersey Hitmen back in 2001. So we'll go down memory lane a bit with him and uh, touch bases on some of the things that he saw while he was the announcer back in 2001 for New York, New Jersey Hitmen. Great conversation coming up with him. And also, again, we'll go down memory lane, go to the West Coast in Los Angeles with Fred Rogan. Uh, from NBC Channel 4 in Los Angeles. He was the sideline reporter on NBC's coverage of the XFL. So we got great memories coming up from those guys. And also, I'll also get their thoughts on the current XFL and uh, how they feel about the new league that's coming up in 2020. All right. As always, this show is sponsored by the In The Zone Network online store. You can go today at teespring.com, T-E-E-spring.com, slash N, the letter N, dash, the, dash, zone, dash, network. And you can get your hands on some amazing gear, T-shirts for the men and women. And also we got uh, leggings for the ladies as well and accessories to go along with your phone and other electronics and just a variety of things that you can go and check out and purchase today over at the In The Zone Network online store. It's time now for the Alliance to XFL News Desk. All right, let's get it going right now. It's happened, folks. All eight teams have been announced and with their logos, and uh, they've all been revealed. Uh, you got the Dallas Renegades, the Houston Roughnecks. You also got the Los Angeles Wildcats, the New York Guardians, the Seattle Dragons, the St. Louis Battlehawks, the Tampa Bay Vipers, and the Washington, D.C. Defenders. Those are the eight squads, and the eight logos all have been placed of course uh coming up this weekend the xfl shop will be back open and you can nab your gear for the upcoming 2020 season i gotta be honest now here in the xfl community there are a lot of sites uh, that cover xfl are in various cities in their markets in respective markets um i know myself 
with the Alliance to XFL. We're based in St. Louis. And so our team is the Battle Hawks. But I promise you on this show, it's going to be everything XFL. It's not going to be just about the Battle Hawks. But I did get an opportunity to spend some time with St. Louis Battle Hawks team president, Kurt Hunziker, and got a chance to uh, talk with uh, some of the staff uh, from the Battle Hawks. And they were very welcoming and they were very pleasant from the things that they saw over the last couple of days and got a chance to uh, participate with fans that are excited about football coming back to St. Louis. You know, if you get a chance, check out the interview I had with Mike Mitchell, uh, XFL board, and he spoke a bit about uh, what it means for uh, St. Louis uh, and the XFL as a whole. But the other cities uh, that involve New York, um, they have This is the XFL Show. Um, the XFL Newsroom is down in Houston. And I, I think the XFL Show is also based out of Los Angeles as well. So, um, And the XFL Board, they have members that are covering in New York and, and Tampa. So you're going to get a lot of coverage uh, around the XFL from these various sites, us included. Uh, we're going to make sure that we provide uh, great coverage for you and we're going to do our what we can to give the best analysis and, and stats and teams and want to hear from you as well, the community. We want to hear your thoughts and things that we could do to be better and of course the league as a whole wants you to uh, reach out to them to give ideas and uh, to what can make uh, the XFL a successful league. And I was uh, grateful to be a part of that and um, grateful to be a part of what we are today. All right. Now, uh, in other news, there has been uh, reports going out about Johnny Manziel, if he was going to actually play in the league. And the rumor that was thrown out that the Dallas Renegades would not select Johnny Manziel. In my opinion, I think the guy that's going to be the quarterback, uh, knowing that those quarterbacks are going to be the first quote unquote picks. They won't be in the draft. They'll be already signed to teams is what it looks like that's going to happen. I think Landry Jones is going to be the QB for the Dallas Renegades. It just makes perfect sense. You know, Bob Stoops, Oklahoma Sooners, boom. That should be the quarterback for the team. But it's up to Bob. It's going to be up to all the other coaches who gets first pick and whatnot. We'll see how that goes as time progresses. Of course, the draft is in October. It'll be October 15th and the 16th. And then you'll have mini camps in November and December, I believe. And then you'll have uh, like training camp and then scrimmages in January. Yeah, it's it's similar to what the uh, Alliance had did, but this time it looks a lot more, like you're taking a lot more time to make this right and to make it careful. And we'll definitely get an opportunity to see what the game itself will look like. All right, and that goes down February 8th, 2020. And that first game is going to be on ABC. So you got in the East, you got the Battle Hawks, you got the Defenders. <laughs> I gotta make sure I get all of these teams right <laughs> as I'm, I'm talking with you guys today. The Guardians, 
and the Vipers. That will be the East Division. And they're actually looking for names to say for the different divisions. So, you know, East and West does sound generic, but you know, it would be something very nice if we could add maybe a couple names to the mix. Maybe the Flutie Division or the Fox Division or the Caldwell Division. You know, the, the guys that were advisors for the XFL when they first began uh, before they even got to the staffing of uh, the league itself. You know, they're always open to ideas. Remember the tag, fans above all. So they're going to look for ideas, positive ideas. Please don't be real despicable with the ideas that you try to put out. You want to make sure that this league is going to be um, a success, as stated before. All right. So uh, also over in the West, it'll be the uh, the Wildcats of Los Angeles. Yeah, of course, you got the Renegades in Dallas. You got the Roughnecks in Houston, of course, and you got the Dragons in Seattle. All right, so um, that is what we have so far, and uh, a lot of people are excited. Have been seeing the uh, tweet, the Twitter handles, and how well they've been doing. They've changed all of them. So if you try to go to XFL and the team city name, they will not show up at all. And at the latest count that I've seen was the uh, the Battle Hawks in St. Louis still remain high, close to 20,000 followers, and the lowest at this point I think it was one of the Wildcats. And they were just under 10,000. So it's getting there. And if you think about it, the average is getting close to 100,000 followers on just the team. So on the eight teams, it's getting close to 100,000. Of course, the league itself it has over 120,000 followers currently. So. A lot of pluses going for uh, the XFL so far. All right, we'll take a time out. Coming up after the break, Peter Schwartz of CBS Sports Radio. He'll be joining me. And again, we'll be talking some memories of the XFL and get his thoughts on what to look forward to in the future. And then right after that, we'll have Fred Rogan. He'll close out the program. So Peter Schwartz comes after the break. You're listening to the Alliance to XFL show right here on the In the Zone Network. I ran across Tierra Dobbins on Twitter and I, I caught a column and, you know, she was writing for NFLfemale.com and I really liked the way that, you know, that she wrote. So I naturally reached out to her and she has a great story that, you know, she's originally from Memphis and just knowing Tramika Doss, she's been on a few times. There's a connection with, you know, Tennessee and the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, before the Titans got there. And I just love what she brings to the table. She has this organic passion about writing and covering the Steelers and, and knowing sports. And it's been a lot of fun, you know, having her be being almost a regular regular contributor to In the Zone and to the network. So we're really lucky to uh, have a talent like that, you know, joining us. And we're just going to continue to keep moving forward. I'm just real glad that, again, we got somebody else uh, that's representing the family and representing it well. City to city, state to state, worldwide. You are listening to The Real In the Zone Network. This is it. Back on this edition of the Alliance to XFL show, the A-Train Arlington Lane. 
Joining me right now on the show, he has been in the media industry for the last 30 years. He was, and back in 2001, he was the play-by-play announcer on the radio for the New York, New Jersey Hitman. And I have with me online is Peter Schwartz. Peter, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, One thing is for sure, Peter, is that the excitement has risen a bunch since the announcement of the uh, eight teams uh, in the uh, brand new XFL. But you got a chance to be a part of uh, the league back in 2001. How did that come about? Well, in in 2001, I I think I think the hype around this version um, is is a, a lot different than it was back in 2001. There just was not a whole lot of you know advanced internet buzz about it. You know, Twitter wasn't as it wasn't prevalent back then. So mm-hmm. it was you know when when we when when it was announced that he was going, Vince McMahon was going to do the league. There wasn't a whole lot of information that that came out about it and kind of came about all of a sudden um my involvement uh came you know there was some there was some good fortune with that because i had been working for the radio station that the games were going to be on on wabc in new york and when the opportunity came about for the station to do a deal with the hitmen um you know i was lucky enough to be uh your name the uh play-by-play announcer i had been doing some high school uh, in college, you know, football play-by-play, and um, that was my first professional job, and it was, it was a lot of fun, and it was great to be a part of something new. And you know, when that last game ended, at least our last game of the season in Birmingham that year, I never dreamed it wasn't going to come back for at least a second year. All the plans were that it was going to come back. It was very disappointing that it didn't, it didn't last. But you know, eighteen, nineteen years later, now here we are, and the, <laughs> the league, the league is coming back, and it's almost a surreal feeling that uh, that that this is this is happening again. I'm I'm just I'm just hopeful to have uh, even if it's a small role. I'm hoping to to be involved with uh, the New York franchise. So it, this is very exciting. I'm glad that they're giving this another shot. Yeah, it was kind of crazy, and I have spoke about this uh, on uh, social media. I was like, if you really look at it, this is kind of like the this is the second chance that nobody wanted. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> <laughs> like nobody expected this. Well, to I, come I think back. I I think it's the second chance that Vince McMahon wanted because yes. <laughs> uh, uh, you know I I used to, I used to follow wrestling very 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 passionately and closely i i haven't over the last number of years but I, one thing i i do know about vince and i had a chance to meet him a couple of times during that xfl year which was which was pretty cool um you know he doesn't he doesn't want any part of his legacy tarnished you know he's built an empire with the wwf and now wwe and uh obviously the you know the xfl was kind of a a moment that you know he at first, it looked like it was going to be pretty successful with the rating and everything, and then just really the football wasn't very good. Right. Um, and exactly. and I think when you you know when you're a guy like him, and I think ego comes into play, you really don't want something like that tarnishing your your legacy. People will say, well, Vince and his father and his grandfather built this big wrestling empire, but hey, remember when he tried football and it didn't work? Right. So I think when you watch the thirty for thirty about the XFL that ESPN did, which was just a great documentary, and you know, I, I don't know if you saw it, but at the at the end at the end of the show, you know, it's him and Dick Ebersole having a meal together, and you know, he kind of hints that you know he's thinking of of, of doing it again. So uh, I think this time around, he realizes that the XFL can't be 
you know, um, an extension of WWE. You can't have The Rock opening up your telecast talking about laying the SmackDown. You can't have, you know, um, he rest in peace, Rodney Dangerfield going into the, into the cheerleaders locker room. You know, that, that's, that's not what football fans are interested in. That the right. football has to be good. And I think the, the single best thing that Vince has done this time around was hiring Oliver Luck as the commissioner and CEO, because exactly. here's a guy that has had such a, a distinguished and respected career in, in football and in college athletics and, uh, you know, here's the guy that doesn't want to be part of something that's going to be just an embarrassment and adjunct failure. He, he, he wants this to work too. So I think the fact that Vince, uh, is approaching this as being, um, football, although it's you know, football reimagined, he's got a guy in the big chair that is overseeing doing this the, the right way this time. And I think everything that this league has done so far from, the, the launch to the hirings to the team presidents to the coaches general managers the way they're gonna the way they're gonna stock the teams with players um, I, I think they're doing a wonderful job I, 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 I will tell you this uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say the player's name because I don't want to embarrass him but <laughs> I remember walking in I, w- I remember walking into the hitman locker room the night of the first game in Las Vegas in 2001 mm-hmm. and that was one of the great things about the league and, and i hope they continue the, that part of it with the new league is is the access that the media was able to get to players before the game kind of like going to a baseball game now you know baseball reporters get get to go in the locker room before the game and do interviews with players right and that's not allowed in the nfl but the xfl allowed it you were allowed to go into the into the locker rooms and talk to the players before the game and i remember going into the locker room uh the, the night before the game the opening night and just walking through and trying to introduce myself to some of the players because I had not met you know any of them at that point. Wow! Um, and because they had training camp in Florida, mm, so okay, I couldn't okay. break away from my full time job to go down to training camp at all. So the first time I met any of these players was was opening night in Las Vegas. That's crazy. Anyway, I'm walking <laughs> walking through. Um, not not the ideal way of being a play by play announcer, but this was something that was brand new. Right. So I'm, I'm walking through the locker room, and I see this guy. He's one of the offensive linemen on the team, and he's getting dressed at his locker to go out for warm-ups. And, and I'm telling you, I'm looking at this guy, and, and I'm no slim pickings myself. I can stand <laughs> to lose a few pounds. This guy looked nowhere near like a guy that was ready to go out and play a football game. Like he had, um, you know, I'm going to use the word, okay, blubber coming out of his blubber, coming out of the uniform. <laughs> and and I and the first thing I thought of was that, oh, this poor guy is going to have a heart attack during this game. And I came to realize, like, they were not prepared at all to play football. They they rushed it inside of the year. Um, uh, they, 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 they took, you know, they took players off the street. They didn't really have a very good um, – way of going about pulling players uh like now you see how they're they're being very very systematic in how they're going to sign the quarterbacks they right. had these combines you know all the in all the cities and you know there there's a lot of good football players in the country you just have to find them you know, they didn't do that with the first xfl they they got retreads from the from the nfl mm-hmm. they got guys who just had no business you know playing professional football and you could tell within the first <laughs> Really, within the first five, six, seven minutes of that game, this product was not very good. And you try to camouflage it as best you can; it just wasn't good. Right. And I and I and then I think they panicked 
and tried to do all these different gimmicks and everything uh, to try and save you know from people watching the watching the games, and it just didn't work. But this right. time around, um, Oliver Luck has had a fantastic plan. I like everything that he has done. Um, you look at some of the players that they've signed to, to contracts that will be in the draft. These are you know, some of these players even played in the AAF. Um, and I thought, yeah. for the, I thought, I thought a good chunk of the players in the AAF were actually really good football players, and I hope they all get a chance to play in the in the XFL. But there's good football players out there. You just have to find them. And I think, um, you know, with a guy like Oliver Luck, you know, in charge, I, 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 I'm confident that this league will have really, really good football players. Talking it over with Peter Schwartz right now on the Alliance to XFL show. Peter Schwartz is. Uh, He's a sports reporter, and he was the inaugural uh, play-by-play announcer for the New York, New Jersey Hitmen back in 2001 in the old XFL. So, Peter, I wanted to know, after that first game was over, what was your <laughs> mind going through? You know, he's like, okay, the game's ended, and I'm like, oh, my God, is this going to – this is how the game going to be? Or I was like, you know what, this is exciting. I just can't wait to get to the next game. Well, I, I, I let me – yeah, let me let me say this. I mean, I, I, the football was was bad, but the experience of being involved in something new like that and being with a team and being with a league um, was was pretty was pretty cool. I mean, it was a, I I would not give up that year of experience with the XFL for anything. I mean that that year got me onto the Arena Football League in eight years with the AFL. So I I I, I look back on that one year with the uh, with the XFL and. Um, I, I look back at it from my personal standpoint with a lot of pride. It was it was very exciting to be a part of that mm-hmm. that whole thing and um, you know getting to see some some cities I had never you know, been to before and just being being involved in. I, 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 while the football was bad, I like to think that our broadcasts were pretty good and they were very very professional and mm-hmm. we were on a big station and you know there was some you know publicity about it and I, and I and I and I thought you know we tried to do you know the best possible you know broadcast. Um, you know, obviously knowing that the, the the product wasn't very good, but at least I, I think we I think we did good good shows on, on on the radio. We try to you know tag you know tap into NBC's uh, effects a lot. You know, and use you could hear the quarterback you know making the the play calls in the in the huddle. Which obviously, right. when you think about you know technology now, you know now th- there are things that the NFL took from the first XFL, the sky exactly. cam, you know, the players being <laughs> mic'd. Um, you know, there were, you know, there were some, there, there, there've been some, you know, thing they took some players at the end of the year. So it wasn't all that bad, but, um, uh, after the first game, um, I think you just take a, a deep breath, um, and just, you know, re- realize that, you know, you're, you know, privileged to be part of something new like that. And, you know, that was that first week we were away. Um, so we were the first game of the season was in Las Vegas and mm-hmm. you know, week two was our home opener. So there was a little more excitement for week two because it was the first home game at, at, at giant stadium. We had a really good crowd, for, you know, for that, for that game. I, I, I want to say the, they drew about, you know, 35, 36,000 people for the home opener at giant stadium week two. Mm-hmm. So there were different levels of excitement and obviously then that you know the the hitman as i recall started 0 and 4 um and yes. got themselves back into playoff contention and then the second to last week of the season um they had destiny in their own hands and <laughs> um, i went to practice one day during the week and i heard somebody from the team told me hey if we make the playoffs 
because the players flew on commercial airlines. They didn't fly on charters oh, on wow. the XFL. But if we make the playoffs, we're going to play in Los Angeles, and they're chartering a plane. And I had never been on a chartered airplane before. So I was looking forward to that happening. And then uh, <laughs> so we're, we've got second-to-last game of the season, Hitman are home, um, and winning the game in the fourth quarter. And they give the ball to this running back who used to play for the Oakland Raiders, Joe Aska. Mm-hmm. And, and he was a real tough, bruising running back. Very, very reliable. Um, had some big runs, big touchdowns for the Hitman that season. They give the ball to him, crunch time, a few minutes to go, run the clock out. All they have to do is get a first down. They're going to run the clock out. He fumbles the ball. Mm-hmm. I forget who they're playing. I want to say they're playing Chicago, I think it was. They score. They wind up scoring a touchdown with like a minute or so to go in the game, and the Hitmen lose. Now you go to the last week of the season. We go to Birmingham. The Hitmen have to win, and Orlando has to lose their game because right. they lost. They lost. You know uh, their their uh, destiny in their own hands. And the Hitmen go out and win in Birmingham, but Orlando won too. So mm-hmm. that was the end of the season. So I never. I wound up with the Arena League one time going on a charter plane. So I did get. I did get that did get wish chance. <laughs> granted a few years later, but 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 it, I, like I said, the football wasn't great, but at least we did have an exciting end of the season. They were in contention for a playoff spot. It just would have been interesting to see what would have happened if they snuck in. Talking with Peter Schwartz right now on the Alliance to XFL show, uh, Peter. We talked a bit about you know the first. Uh, games and what that was like for you. How was it, you know, talking it over with head coach Rusty Tillman? Because, you know, on television, <laughs> on television, they tried to really get him. But how was it on the radio side? Would you have any good relationship with Rusty? I had a great relationship with Rusty Tillman. We became very, very uh, uh, good co-workers during the course of the season. We had a pregame show. I had him you know, for a few minutes, you know, we tried to pre-tape the interview during the week, and um, sometimes it was over the phone. There were a few, for a few weeks, the Hitman had a local TV show on Channel 4 here in New York that they did at the WWF restaurant um, in in Manhattan, and Mm -hmm. it got canceled after a few weeks, and usually I went down to do the interview with him while we were at the restaurant when they were in, you know, the commercial. I I would try to do the interview with him sometimes he did over the phone he was fantastic to work with a very respected assistant coach in the nfl uh special teams coach um most people will remember him you know from the seahawks days i think he was also a special teams coach with the redskins mm-hmm. um during his nfl career but he was terrific i i think when you when i think back to that year and some of the negatives. I just think the, the you know Jesse Ventura picking a fight with him on television. Yes. You know, that's not what he signed up for. That's not what any of those coaches signed up for. Exactly. And the players too. I mean, these guys wanted to coach football. They wanted to play football. When when it became a sideshow, I think that's when people really started to kind of you know laugh at it and just say this is you know people didn't want to take it seriously. I mean, how do you take how do you take it seriously when the announcer comes out of the stands where they're doing the game from go down the field and you know basically trying to you know challenge challenge the head coach challenge mm-hmm. his manhood you know that just right. I didn't I didn't care for that I thought it was wrong um, but Rusty was a he handled it the best as best he could he was very professional um, and I remember finding out when the league folded first phone call I made was to Rusty Tillman mm-hmm. I had his number and I said I, I feel 
you know, terrible for you that, you know, you waited all that time to be a head coach in professional football. And he was so gracious on the phone, thanked me for my professionalism. And um, he's one of the guys that I wish it would, I, I wish things would have worked out differently for, in a lot of ways. Uh, mm-hmm. for him. He was, he was one of them. I, I think he was, he was uh, crucified um, for very, very little reason. Um, if you want to question some of the things he did in game, that's one thing. But, you know, for, you know, for the, for the TV announcer to pick a fight with him, I just, I thought that was terrible. Man, that, yeah, that's crazy that it happened like that. But I'm glad to know that you had your professional side with him and, you know, it didn't, it didn't lead to any bad blood, you know, spilling over from what happened on the television side. No, no, I mean, nothing, nothing, uh, really from, from my perspective. Um, and as the season went on, I had to, you know, develop some great relationships with people, uh, on the hitman, the players, the coaches, um, you know, the, the hitman had a assistant coach on Joe Lombardi, who's now an assistant coach with the saints. Mm-hmm. And Joe Lombardi is Vince Lombardi's grandson. Right. And, um, I had a chance to you know, get to know him a little bit that year. Um, there were players on the hitman that I'm still you know, friends with on Facebook and still get a chance to chat with, you know, every, every now and then there was a player on the Las Vegas outlaws, um, Mike Furry, who went on yes. to play for the New York dragons in the arena football league. And, mm-hmm. uh, you probably know him there in St. Louis That's because correct. he played for yeah. the Rams and now he's yeah. an assistant coach, um, in with the, with the bears. Kevin Swain played for the Orlando team in the XFL. He scored the first touchdown in XFL history in the B game on that first Saturday night. And our game, the, the Vegas uh, Hitman game, was the A game in NBC. The, the, um, the Orlando game was the B game. He scored the first touchdown in XFL history. And after that season, joined the New York Dragons, where I went to go do play-by-play for them after mm-hmm. the season. I'm still very friendly with them to these days. So one of the biggest takeaways I take from my year at the XFL were the relationships I made with the players, the coaches, the administrators, uh, many of which went on to do other things. And um, I'm just glad I had a chance that year to you know, to spend that year in the XFL and, and get to know all these people, get a year of play-by-play under my belt. But I think more so is the relationships I built with a lot of people there. Indeed, indeed. Before you go, uh, Peter, um, what is – so will you, if you don't get an opportunity uh, in New York for the XFL, will you be going to the games at all, you know, to you know, check them out and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a look at you know, what they have to offer here? Oh, I, I think for sure. I'm, I'm, I would love to be involved. I've, I'm hoping to have some conversation with them. That They put together a really strong front office. I don't know what their, their plans are going forward. I'm, I'm hoping to get a chance to do it. I, we were, I was watching the uh, – the, team name and logo reveal with my, my wife and my kids. And when, when the New York guardians came up and that video came up, uh, my kids jumped out of their seats when they saw the name with the logo, they said, Oh, this is really, really cool. And, uh, and then the, when, when, uh, when the, when the presentation ended, um, I don't know if you watched it as soon as it was over when Oliver Luck signed off, they immediately put up a thing, you know, to buy season tickets. And my nine year old son says to me, dad, can we get season tickets? Wow! I said, I said, let's hold off a little bit on that. Let's see what winds up happening. But um, I, I hope to be involved. I, I know, I know, in a lot of ways, the new XFL wants to steer clear of, of things that happened in the uh, original XFL. I hope I'm not one of them because I, I, I real, I, I'm, I am a huge believer in spring football. I think um, whether it's the XFL or it was the AAF, because I, I enjoyed watching those games too. I can't for the life of me think 
understand why they tried to rush that year, that, that league in a year. Yes. Um, and yes. Dick Ebersol's son, Charlie, I mean, he should have known from the experience his father must have told him from, from the original XFL. I mean, you need some time to put this thing together. So and I, thought, I, yeah. when, when, when I, when I, when they, when they were launched in a year, I said, it's not going to make it. Um, and mm. the football was pretty good. Yes, I thought the football was. was good. I enjoyed yeah. watching. When I had a chance, I, it, it was not appointment television for me, but when it was on, I, I'd watch it. But obviously, you know, they just, they, they rushed. They, they didn't, they, that was not done properly as opposed to what the new XFL is doing. Um, but I, I think it, I think it's going to be great. I hope to be involved with it. I'm going to watch it. If I'm not involved in any shape or form, I definitely will, you know, go to some games with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, I, they'll, they'll be a team that the Schwartz household roots for. There's no question about it. <laughs> Where you go, Peter? I, I may I may wear some of my hitman gear while I'm watching the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Before you go, Peter, you can tell our listeners uh, where they can find you on uh, social media. Sure, um, I'm on Twitter. I'm not on Instagram or any of the other things. They can follow me on Twitter at Schwartz Sports. S C H W A R T Z S P O R T S. Schwartz Sports, and if the you know, people have a, a CBS Sports Radio affiliate um, in their market. Um, I'm usually on doing updates on Saturday mornings and Sunday nights, and sometimes filling in uh, during the week, as I am uh, tonight. So, um, but uh, people that that follow that network have uh, have uh, heard me do updates, and if they haven't listened to that network, you can uh, take a listen and see what we have to offer. Excellent. We will definitely continue to uh, hear you on uh, CBS Sports Radio, and thank you for your time to tell us a bit about your memories uh, from the XFL back in 2001. And uh, we hope, I do myself, hope that you get back into the XFL in some shape, form, or fashion with the New York team. I appreciate that. Hopefully it all works out. And, um, again, continued success to you guys in St. Louis, and good luck with, with your club. And, um, and let's, let's hope for some, some great football in February when the new XFL launches. I'm just happy that the whole league, as you know, the league as a whole is together and uh, we're going to be some football back in 2020. So, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, Peter. My pleasure. That is Peter Schwartz, ladies and gentlemen. You can see, find him on CBS Sports Radio. And of course, like you said, you can find him at Schwartz Sports on Twitter. We'll come back with more of the Lions to XFL right after this. You're listening on the In the Zone Network. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. This is In The Zone. They all want to know who, what's causing all this. In St. Louis, the talk of the NFL, a talk of professional football, is alive and well again. Now you got you got Benjamin Albright and, and Albert Breer on the air in St. Louis radio talking about the possibility of football coming to St. Louis. But why is this happening? You know why? Because Derek King sparked the conversation. On the In the Zone Network. City to city, state to state, worldwide. You're listening to the In the Zone Network. This is it.
Back on this edition of the Alliance to XFL show, the A-Train Arlington Lane. On the line with me right now, he actually was the sideline reporter uh, for the old XFL back in 2001, and currently he is with NBC for Los Angeles as the sports anchor there, and you can hear him on the radio in L.A. as well. Glad to have uh, on the Alliance to XFL show, Fred Rogan. Fred, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, and thanks for having me today. Grateful to have you on today. So, Fred, let's get right into it. Back in 2001, of course, you were the uh, sideline reporter for the XFL. How did that come about for you? Well, NBC was working in a partnership with Vince McMahon, and NBC had just lost the NFL contract. Mm -hmm. They knew the value of football and how important it was, and simply put back in the day, NBC wasn't going to spend the money the NFL was asking. So they decided to create a new football league with Vince McMahon because they knew that football was a major driver in network sports, try to build something unique and be able to make money on it and develop something new. Uh, that's how it all came about. It was the brainchild of Dick Ebersole and Vince McMahon. And honestly, it was a pretty good idea then. Mm -hmm. There were some challenges that we faced as we moved through the process, but it was a good idea. There's an old saying, so, sometimes you're so far ahead, you're actually behind. Right. <laughs> and the, the, the issue was they were so far ahead of their time mm -hmm. that they then found themselves behind what had failed and chasing the new Alliance of American Football, which folded. Right. That's what happened. It was a good concept back then. Mm -hmm. I was the sideline reporter. I'd worked for NBC Sports. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they gave me the opportunity, and they, they basically asked me, what job would I like? And I said, I'd like the sideline reporter because you could be in the huddle, you could be on the field. I mean, I introduced America to he hate me, Rod Smart. That's correct. I was the one that asked Rod Smart, why do they call you he hate me? Yep. And his response, they hate me. <laughs> That's how America got to find out about Rod Smart right. during a game in Las Vegas. <laughs> and that first game, did you have any, like, jitters at all? No jitters at all because it was really exciting. Anything went. Almost yeah. anything went. You could go anywhere. You could do anything. And it's funny. Uh, during the game, I was uh, told – by one of the producers, because Vince McMahon was still creating the, the image of this as if it was wrestling. So it was football, but it had the sensibility of wrestling and building storylines. And one of the producers said to me, listen, Vince wants you to go up to the coach of Las Vegas right now during the game, and we were allowed to go up to him and say, you're cheating and everybody knows it. <laughs> and I went, I am not going up to the coach and telling him you're cheating and everybody knows it. I mean, they're playing right now. You can't expect me to go up and tell the guy that. That's what the XFL was. Right. So it was a combination of football and theater. Uh, by the way, I did not go up to the coach at that point. I just want to know, Fred, after that first game, did you feel like, you know what, this is going to be some success? Or it's like, you know what, I think I may have made a mistake. Oh, no. After the first game, the, the ratings were great. We thought we had hit on something enormous. Right. Everybody felt really good as we left the stadium that night. Mm -hmm. The problem came in the game in Los Angeles, and I think that was the second game we had. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm based in L.A., so for me it was a home game. I just went down to the Coliseum. Right. And at one, at one point, we're standing there, and the game is going on, and I look up at the scoreboard, and all of a sudden, it becomes color bars, the big video board. 
And I thought, that's really odd. They just lost the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. Play continues for a couple of minutes. Then there's a whistle and play stops. They hadn't lost the monitor. What happened was the generators that were powering the monitor mm-hmm. and also our technology coming out of the stadium ran out of gas. Get out of here. Somebody wow. forgot to put gas in the generator. Or, as the story goes, it was siphoned out by some nefarious individual. Mm-hmm. But we, we were down for a while, and they had to switch to the backup game. And at that point, you started to feel uneasy because we were down. They had to go and get gas and bring it back and pour it into the generator so it would work. Wow. In all of my years of broadcasting, nothing like that has ever happened before. And after that that night, we had kind of an uneasy feeling. Yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy. <laughs> Talking to with Fred Rogan right now uh, on the Alliance to XFL show, uh, just bringing back some of the memories uh, from back in 2001. But uh, you guys have a team out in Los Angeles, the Wildcats. Are they embracing it? Uh, like any other football team, or is just something like, you know what, hey, uh, it's football, we'll, we'll see, we'll give it a shot, or you know, like, mm, no, nah, not really. Well, I, I think understanding the Los Angeles market, I mean, you have a team that went to the Super Bowl last year, the Rams, right. and they truly don't have much traction. The Chargers are one of the best teams in the AFC, and they don't have a lot of tractions. Mm-hmm. After football left Los Angeles years ago, the market became basketball, baseball, or baseball, basketball. Mm-hmm. Really, the two brands that stand out here are the Dodgers and the Lakers. The XFL, if, if anybody believes that Los Angeles is going to embrace the XFL as if it was an NFL team, they're smoking crack. That's not going to happen. But what it can do here, and, and the sense I, I got after seeing the team names, They can build a very unique fan base that can support the league. A lot of the stuff the XFL did the the first time around was right and was good. It was just too soon. Mm. This time, if they think they're going to compete with NFL fans, I believe that is a fail. What they should do, and and given the team names, they're like gamers. It's like video game generation. (laughs) Compete for those fans, young fans, mm-hmm. or families that want to go to sporting events but really can't afford them in a market like this. Go and make this a giant party. And if they make it a giant party and everything surrounded is a lot of fun, the football was a bonus. I told the Chargers when they moved here, if you promote NFL football, that will fail. If you promote we're having a giant party and there's a football game at the party, mm-hmm. that will succeed. I would make that same recommendation, and by the way, I did, to the XFL. Mm-hmm. Promote this as more fun than you're ever going to have in your life. And we also play football. And let people get used to it in that way. Talking it over with Fred Rogan right here on the Alliance to XFL show on the In the Zone Network. Fred, you just mentioned about the fun aspect. Uh, do you believe that the XFL, this new incarnation, can succeed uh, if they not just with the fun aspect, but with the football aspect? Uh, no, I don't. I, really? I think this is what they have to do. And I have this argument with my radio partner, Rodney Pete, all the time. Rodney mm-hmm. played at USC. He was a quarterback in the NFL for the Lions and the Eagles, to mention a few of the teams. And we have this, this debate all the time. And my point is this. I know they're considering different rules for the XFL. Right. The crazier, the better. 
at one point they said they were going to put all 22 against 22 in overtime. We're just going to flood the the field with players and let them run into each other. I thought that was great. Yeah. Uh, another suggestion: We'll have moving goalposts when you try to kick a field goal. <laughs> Love that as well. <laughs> wow. If you think, I, I believe, if you think you're going to play serious football and compete with the NFL, you're crazy. And, and the sense always is there's an appetite for football 12 months a year. No, I think there's an appetite for entertainment 12 months a year. Mm-hmm. And if the XFL can implement rules, and I know Oliver Luck is looking at a lot of possibilities, if he can implement rules that make it unique and different and fun and catchy, I think it succeeds. I think if they want to play NFL football, it will not succeed. I agree with that. I think that at this point they have to dare to be different. And I don't even think at this point, Fred, that they want to do anything that's tied with the the NFL, you know what I mean, as in, you know, being the same type of game. We're not trying to compete with the NFL. They have actually said that, and that is the biggest thing. And you said the crazier it is, the better. But doesn't that seem like more of a gimmick than it does uh, being real football if you want to be crazier? Well, but you have to define what the objective is. Mm -hmm. Are you playing real football or are you creating something you hope will succeed? They have gaming leagues now. NBA teams sponsor gamers. Think about this. They they, they pay for gamers to play video games. That's certainly not considered real basketball. But those, those teams are in. NFL owners own gaming teams. That's right. These are kids playing video games. That's not considered real football, but they're all in. So what are you trying to do? What's the objective? Yes, you have to sell the XFL because they are playing football. But in today's world, you have to be so unique and so different that you stand out. And maybe you don't get that NFL crowd. Maybe ultimately you don't get it. Maybe you don't need it. And maybe you don't want it. You're creating now an entertainment vehicle. Because all sports are entertainment. The guys that play wouldn't agree because they're sacrificing and and committing their bodies to it. Exactly. But people who don't go to sporting events because it's life and death, it's entertainment. And what they're doing here, Vince McMahon, the XFL, they're creating a new entertainment vehicle. Football is being used. Okay, so let's create a brand of football in a very entertaining way that might attract an entirely different audience that even ever watched an NFL game. Yeah, (laughs) that's a great way to look at it because um, as – you know that Vince put together Alpha Entertainment just solidified for the XFL. And so, like you said, entertainment is something that is going to be needed 12 months out of the year instead of the football vehicle that everybody thinks that that's what needed a whole year round. But that's the key thing here is the entertainment factor. And real quick, Fred, before you go, are you going to – trying to get yourself involved with the XFL in some in some manner, maybe locally or, you know, maybe on a national level? Well, certainly locally we'll cover the team mm-hmm. uh, on NBC. But as far as the broadcast partners go, NBC is not one of them this time. Right. So I don't think they would use me on a national level. But locally we'll cover the team, and if there are compelling, fun stories, we'll do them. But in Los Angeles, you have to fight for your position in the market. If they do a good job of marketing, if they create an entertaining and fun product, we'll be all over it. If it doesn't go that way, and I'm being very honest, Mm -hmm. we'll probably ignore it 
because that's the way big markets work. You got to fight for your spot. We've got two of everything here. Two baseball teams, two football teams, two hockey teams, two basketball teams, two MLS teams. We've got two major universities here. Mm -hmm. The XFL has to be different. If they do that, they will succeed and we will be all over it. Yeah, again, you are hitting everything nail on the head, man. It's, it's, they have to compete. Uh, so before you go, Fred, if you can, if you got one story that you can remember back from the old XFL, it's probably other than the one that you talked about in Los Angeles, it's probably the wildest thing that you've seen while you uh, during your time with the XFL. I'll tell you the best thing that ever happened, and it didn't even happen on the field. Can I share that? Sure, go for it. Fine. So after the games, I mean, I would have to fly back to L.A. Mm -hmm. And when we played in Orlando, for example, you know, you'd work late. You'd get up at 6 in the morning. You'd jump on a plane, and we'd fly back to L.A. But there were times that Vince McMahon was coming back to L.A. Mm -hmm. And I asked a few times, can I just jump on a plane and go with you? Let me tell you what. (laughs) That was the greatest ever. (laughs) Flying with Vince McMahon, his wife, and Ken Chancer, who was then the president of NBC Sports. Wow. We would get on that plane. The food was magnificent. <laughs> the flight was quick. <laughs> right. I did I, I that a couple of times. That that was my memory of the XFL. <laughs> I mean, everything that happened on the field, that was one thing. But having that opportunity, I'll never be able to replace that. When, when, you, when you heard that it folded, how did you feel about that? Well, what happened was we were notified that all of us were to be on a conference call. Mm-hmm. at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what in the world could this be about? And Dick Ebersole came on and said that they're not going to continue, mm-hmm. that the league is over, that the ratings didn't support the continued investment. And I think we were all bummed. But mm-hmm. then when we thought about it, that was the greatest job I ever had. <laughs> because since I signed a contract, I got paid for two more years and didn't do anything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, well, Fred, I want to thank you for uh, for jumping on the Alliance to XFL show today. Where can they find you uh, on social media? At Fred NBCLA. That's where you can find me always, at Fred NBCLA. Hey, if you like, can you plug your radio show for us? Because I know we have some listeners out in Los Angeles that, uh, that want to hear your voice and tell them where they can find you. Uh, every day, noon to 3, AM 570 LA Sports, the radio home of the Dodgers. I'm on with uh, my dear friend Rodney Pete. So we yeah. do the midday show there, and then I run over to NBC and do TV. All right. Well, Fred, thank you. Thank you so much for today, and uh, hopefully we can get you on uh, before the season and you mm-hmm. can give your outlook on uh, what the players look like and, you know, the coaches. we got to talk a little bit about Winston Moss on the next go-round, okay? We'll do it for sure. All right, Fred, thank you so very much. Have a wonderful day, okay? Back at you. That is Fred Rogan, ladies and gentlemen. And we'll wrap things up for this edition of the Alliance to XFL show. We want to thank all of our guests for coming on board. Make sure that you tune in to us right here on the In The Zone Network. And you can find us on various platforms uh, around on the Internet. So for me, the A-Train Arlington Lane, we'll catch you for another edition of the Alliance to XFL show. And it's only on the In The Zone Network.